0: Before we get started, folks, on today's episode of the Kiel Podcast, I just want to take a moment and take a quick moment to recognize the 16 lives that were lost this past weekend in Nova Scotia up in the Maritimes, senseless tragedy. And for all of us here at the Kiel Podcast, we just want to know that our thoughts and prayers are with the province and with everyone out there out east in the Maritimes and all the families and friends that are affected by this tragedy hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the kuhl podcast i am your host once again the insider to the insiders tyler kuhl and we have a, a bit of a light show today. A few things we got written down to talk about. We did take actual, we have like an actual outline this week because a couple of things happened this past week. We're going to talk about some signings by the St. Louis Blues. They signed a couple key pieces. We'll talk about Dustin Bufflin. And we're going to get into University of Lethbridge. Now, yes, we don't talk about U Sports much on this show. I get it for some of our Canadian listeners. However, we're going to talk about it because they cut their hockey programs next week and then some odd stuff happened. We'll get into that later on in today's show. But be sure to stay involved with today's podcast by tweeting us at The Kiel Podcast. Use the hashtag TKP, hashtag The Kiel Podcast. Tweet us, get at us, tell us what you want. And be sure to tell me what you think about me and my voice and how I'm just self-isolating it's another great day here inside the quarantine studio. No guests, though, today. Couldn't quite wheel one. We're in the works of getting a couple maybe for next week. Maybe just one we're going to see. Because it's always nice to have someone else to talk to on the show. Because I'm sure you all love hearing my voice, but I can't hog the spotlight for myself. Because that would be narcissistic. Even though if you ask my wife, that's what I am, nonetheless. We should start off with some historical Significance of the day, today being April the 21st. On this day in 1951, the Toronto Maple Leafs were taking on the Montreal Canadiens in Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Finals. The game would go to overtime, and then Bill Barilko, Billy Barilko, I don't know what his middle initial is, so I'm not going to try to go for it, but he flies to the air and backhands a shot into the back of the net, the overtime winning goal to give the Leafs the 1951 Stanley Cup. And then it would be known as the last goal he ever scored, as the late Gordowney would say, as, of course, everyone knows the historicals, the history of Bill Barocco and the story of how he was lost in a tragic plane or tra- a tragic plane disappearance, if you will. It ended up being a plane crash that summer when he was going on a fishing trip. And the story itself is just so it's crazy to look back on it, and I've done research on it. I actually wrote a paper back on it back, I believe, in eighth grade or ninth grade. And it was funny because everyone's like, What in the world is this? And I'm like, Oh, it's a great goal. And I'm like, Okay, what's so great about him? You know, what's the big deal? I'm like, Because he just disappeared. And this was back in the 50s, where if you went out in the plains in Canada, really until you even got to British Columbia there was nothing and if you went north of you know Lake Huron going towards Hudson Bay you'd be pretty darn lost up there as well so it was back in a time where you know long before computers were ever a thing and you know electronic tracking was a mere thought you know it was never you know the idea of like don't forget space odyssey 2001 a space odyssey wasn't even written yet Alright, at this time if I'm not mistaken because I believe those were written in the 60s am I wrong I'm confused now yes the book came out in 1960 I had to make sure on that I had to make sure my facts were straight 1968 which for those who are big history buffs was one year before. Apollo 11. Apollo. Oh, gosh, my historical significance now. Uh, it's killing me. Um, yes, Apollo 11 was the first one to land on the moon. Yes. Okay. I had to make sure I was right. Apollo 11 was the first one, and that would have been the year before that. And then, of course, later on was Apollo 13, and they made a movie about that. And they've only recently made a movie about Apollo 11 featuring Ryan Gosling, which is interesting because, you know, Ryan Gosling is, you know, not quite a... uh, Not quite... Sorry, I just got a text message here. What was I even talking about? Someone just sent me a graphic for some reason for Davenport Hockey, and it got me all sort of confused. Apollo 11, sorry, Ryan Gosling, because he's Canadian and it's about being American... Nonetheless, sorry. Okay, back to back to the show here. Good golly. This is why we need a host. This is why we need a different host, because I just go off and go crazy. So we have a couple bits of news though that are kind of breaking as of today. So first first, the big one of course, as of right now, this is being recorded a little after five o'clock Eastern time on April the twenty first, this Tuesday. Apparently, Rob Gronkowski is going to come back. Okay. I am just confused by All Get Out because Rob Gronkowski had just signed a contract with the World Wrestling Entertainment just a few months ago, right? Before, actually, he well, he signed, and then he hosted WrestleMania, which was inside the Performance Center down there in Orlando. And it's just funny because I know they had a bunch of layoffs this past week in WWE that, you know, they had Black Wednesday where Vince McMahon decided he's just going to fire everybody. And yes, the economy is getting affected right now. But then it's just kind of odd. And all of a sudden, Gronkowski's like, hey, I'm not going to work for them anymore, so I can still play. So apparently, according to Jay Glazer, I'm looking at right now on the Twitter that Rob Gronkowski, who has already taken a physical with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So he is pretty much cleared to play, even though, I don't know, I didn't think he was in shape, but apparently he is. He was traded from the Patriots to the Buccaneers for a fourth-round pick with a seventh-round pick going with Gronkowski down to Tampa. Kind of interesting, but obviously it's more or less just so Gronk can play with Tom Brady, and I'm pretty sure Tom texted Gronk and said, hey, there's nobody down here to throw the ball to. Can you play? I'm pretty sure that's what happened. That's the only incredible thing I can think of. And as I'm just scrolling through Twitter, this is almost like, you know, my outline for today it was just kind of scrolling on through. Now, granted, I will say this. I do have an actual outline of other things to talk about. Like we talked off at St. Louis and so on and so forth. However, one of the topics I want to mention right away, well, first of all, Connor Bedard, remember the young man, or I, he's not even technically an adult yet, the youngster out of West Vancouver, Hockey Academy signs with the Regina Pats, the team that drafted him first overall in the WHL Bannum Draft. Remember the one that Cody Jansen of World Hockey Report and I talked about in Spades about a month ago now. I think it seemed you know it's probably a month ago, but it was probably three days ago. That's how that's how these days are just blending together. But he is signed. And another bit of tidbit information for you, college hockey fans that UConn President Tom Katsul- Katsulius Katsulius. We'll go with Katsulius. I hope if, it's, if that's wrong, please tweet me and tell me that's wrong. Salus, well, whatever, says that the fall sports will likely be cancelled. University of Connecticut and his quote is, quote, currently thinking is that likely fall sports will be cancelled with the exception of those that can be played at a safe distance, end quote. And college hockey news that I always say suggest to follow them at CHN or CH news at CH news. They say uh, quote on the tweet, quote, unsurprising, but keep an eye here. This has enormous ramifications for all of college athletics, which obviously includes hockey and quote. So that kind of makes everything interesting for some of us that, you know, broadcast sports at the collegiate level. Kind of a big deal here. If you guys want daily content, this is the year it's going to happen, and you're really going to hate me. No, I, I'm not going to go daily. My wife won't let me. But I just, it's it's a very strange time right now with the economy getting in the way of everything. You know, we briefly mentioned there the WWE releasing. I forget it was almost like 30 wrestlers and staff. You know I can I mean I can name off a bunch. Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins went away. EC3. I'm trying to think of all the ones that hadn't that weren't really holding titles at the time. I know Drake Maverick. Well, Drake Maverick is the, his WWE name. He went by Rockstar Spud and TNA and stuff like that. But he had an emotional message to the fans after because he actually has like a couple more matches to wrestle. There's he's in a program for the. The interim, I believe they're the NXT Cruiserweight Tag Team titles that he's in a tournament in. Apparently, he's got at least a match or two left in that. And it, it's weird. Of course, the XFL with the WWE had to close its doors, and now the XFL commissioner is trying to sue Vince McMahon. And the WWE is kind of the big proponent this week. And, and you're kind of seeing it. Because I've talked to a lot of people, and I remember I've seen a couple tweets around that a lot of Teams in junior hockey, a lot of the low budget teams are going to be affected by this. And it's a real bummer because there's a lot of good teams out there, a lot of players, and a lot of good stuff that, you know, they, there's just not a lot of, you know, consistent, I do say consistent coverage, but there's not enough financial upside to keeping programs around, keeping teams around, because let's put it, let's be honest, folks, a lot of teams, especially in the junior ranks, take losses. And it really all depends on how the ownership is. A lot of teams take losses in putting the games together, putting teams together. And some do turn a profit, but obviously there's a difference between, you know, losing a little bit of cash instead of, you know, having no income coming in. Cause let's be honest, You can sell as much merch as you want. You can sell, you could do like, you know, TV or like online streaming subscriptions. You could get those, but not many people are going to pay for all that. And the big bringing up, bringing in money, big way to bring in money for a lot of junior hockey teams across North America, outside of the tier three, you know, where you have to pay to play, is through... Fans, fans coming in the door, the, the you know, uh, you know, having an attendance in the barns every night is important. And I remember I've talked to a couple people in the minor league ranks as well. And they said, you know, it's right now it's up in the air where they're right now preparing for, for there to be a season next year. Cause obviously you don't want to just wait around do nothing all of a sudden, bam, it's August and yeah, we're going to have a season. So you have to quickly try to get everything all in order But you're kind of working to get ready for 2020, 2021, while waiting to see, are we actually going to play? Now, it's going to cause a little bit of, you know, a little bit of distress, I know, and a lot of confusion because, you know, are we going to play next year? I haven't personally talked to my, my bosses at Davenport yet because, well, we're April and you know, I think when we get to May or June is, I think, when talks are really going to start to heat up. And, yeah, there's the talk of the president saying, you know, the leaks can come back in front of empty arenas, and which would give people in the industry jobs still, at least if you're in the front office. Yes, it'll be tough for arena workers. I get that. But, you know, with that, everyone's going to have to adapt. And that's the the unfortunate truth that we're facing right now as not just, you know, members of the United States or Canada, you know, it's across the world. You know, people have to find different jobs and, you know, I, trust me, I I was sitting there thinking, I was talking to, you know, Kelly, the wife, and I said, are they even going to bring me back in the same capacity? I mean, broadcasting games is one thing, but what I was getting paid to do this year for Davenport hockey, will they be able to pay me the same? And it's, and it's tough and it's something i you really have to look at and it's you can't really do a wrongful wrongful termination because well i for one i signed only for a you know a 12 month contract it's rough to know that people are really losing jobs and i guess we should really then get into the situation that's coming out of Alberta the, with the University of Lethbridge so the other day just a couple of days ago they announced it may have actually been yesterday, excuse me, Lethbridge announced that they are cutting the men's and women's hockey programs uh, from Canada West, the conference that they are in. And, you know, it's, it's tough because you never want to lose hockey teams. And you know what, this may sound strictly biased because there are other programs at that school that could have been cut. And I know they have a rugby team there, and they have basketball and so on and so forth. Hockey, though, for sure given the fact that you have equipment, ice and all that stuff is probably the most expensive. So with that, you're probably able to cut that the easiest because, or it's going to be at least, you know, cutting the most money of spending coming out of the, out of the budget, at least. So they cut the hockey programs and it's always tough. Cause I, you always want to see hockey teams. You want to see, you want hockey to grow. And it seemed like maybe, maybe hockey was training in that direction and I know there's a lot of teams that are hurt right now. I mean, I know we harp on the National Women's Hockey League as much as anyone, but they're struggling right now to try to get, you know, the, the little money they give the players, they're, they're struggling to get it to them. And I know it's been tough for a lot of the lower leagues, a lot of the lower pro leagues, and I guess some junior teams. Some junior teams are very fortunate after great owners. I know a lot of the teams in the United States Hockey League, the Junior A Tier 1 League here in the States, There's a few that are kind of yeah, they're kind of holding on by a whim while others are having good ownership is very important, so they're doing fine there. But back to Lethbridge here. I mean I understand the cutting of the programs. That is something tough to swallow, and I've seen a lot of people come out and say, you know, what a real bummer it is, but you know, kind of reflecting back. But here is a little something that I found today on the Twitter. World hockey report. I always say follow them at World Hockey RPT. I always say follow them because they post they post good content all the time. They're very active, post a lot of great stuff, and they'll post stuff that you know makes you talk, gives you a little something to talk about. So, somewhere where there was a conference call, a video conference call between two men. One I do not know who. Apparently, he is upper echelon with faculty. Maybe a possible dean or something like that. And the voice you're going to hear first, I have the clip. The first voice you're going to hear is the manager of communications of the US Lethbridge, the Pronghorns, by the way. His name is Ian Cahoon. And it is not spelled like it sounds. It's E O I N C O L Q U H O U N, I believe. And that is just off the top of my head. I. I wrote it down on my notes here how it sounds. Uh, or excuse me, I have it right here. I found it up. It's K- yeah, C-O-L-Q-U-H-O-U-N. So I had it right. I looked at it a couple times before I came on here because I want to make sure I had it right. The first voice you're going to hear is his name. You're going to hear his voice, and then you hear him talking about the Lethbridge pronghorns being cut. And the way he talks about it, or the way they kind of discuss it back and forth, is kind of what irks me here. Take a listen it on the backs of athletes yeah and women's hockey is a little bit different and you would get some athletes but men's hockey wouldn't get anybody of course not why, why would you yeah. like you'd get not the a scrap leftover guys who's like oh i wasn't going to play anymore but ah yeah sure yeah we'll get the kootenai international league <laughs> and get blown out 20 to nothing every night yeah, exactly. so so that is Ian and, like we said, some other folks. I, I had a quick back and forth with Cody to make sure we kind of had the story straight. So I had first tweeted out, said, who are these guys? And I looked up and I saw manager. I went to their website, their staff director, and I saw manager and then athletics communications. I immediately tweeted manager of athletics, but I'm like, that's not right. It was the manager of communications for athletics. So still, someone that is representing the university is Ian Cahoon. I have questions. Why would you bash your program like that? I get it. I've broadcasted games for teams that have very well struggled. We and Remember we talked about last week with Thomas. We were talking about how women's hockey was losing to Adrian 10-0. It's tough. We get it. But the program, you can still try to, you still support the program. We know it's going in a different direction and they're going to improve and so on. And so you continue to support them because you work for them and that's your job. And I'm proud to be broadcasting for Davenport hockey. It's amazing the fact that I even have a job in the first place. So for the gall of these two, I want to say gentlemen, but I feel like that would be being nice and being incorrect, though. I'd be lying to you because literally this looks like something that Barstool Sports would put together. Seriously. Something that Dave Portnoy and Biz Nasty, whatever the heck they would do, they would some, say something like this. Oh, yeah, get kids from the Kootenade International League, which, by the way, is one of the lower junior leagues out west. It's it's embarrassing when they just bash. I mean, imagine those kids that actually work hard to get on that team. I would have killed for a spot on a U-sports team. I mean, shoot. And I get it. There's a lot of kids that go play OHL that are kind of like there just to go through the motions, but there's a lot of kids that try to work on those teams. I would have loved, I trust me, if you went to either Toronto University of Toronto, Ryerson, Western, Waterloo, Windsor, how many coaches I reached out to to say, hey, could I try out? I I guarantee you, they probably wouldn't remember me because they probably got a thousand emails a day. But I probably talked to every single coach out there because for me an opportunity to go play U Sports was an opportunity because I was not able to go back and play college hockey after I played in the Fed or well showed up and got a few dollars. I was technically professional. And U Sports they allow players, since they allow like the OHL, they allow players to go play U Sports. And I just actually listened to an interview with Mark Giordano on Hockey Central last week. He talked about how he was actually going to go play for York University after playing in the NHL, because you can do that. It's, it's weird. It's kind of dumb, but it is possible. So, I, I mean, I would have loved an opportunity to play for U-Sports. And the fact that these guys just, I get it. There's tom, some teams that are not successful. But you don't just go in there and bash your own team. Now, the fact that you can because they're no longer a program, is that your excuse? That's gutless. If you understand who you're working for, Who who has the, what check you get, where does it come from? It comes from University of Lethbridge. And imagine being a player on the basketball team and on the rugby team or whatever team you're on there at Lethbridge. Any school, really, actually. Let's just go hypothetically here. If you see someone who is in charge of communications, which means the social media posts, the graphics, all the stuff you see on the internet, on the website, comes by way of this guy in his department. If he is heading this department and he is knocking one team for being bad, for being awful, because they don't have enough talent. Imagine if you go below 500 and just absolutely stink. He's probably saying that about you, isn't he? He's probably talking to people and saying, hey, hey, man, these guys suck. This is an awful team. Why do we even have them here at this school? Yada, yada, yada. And I get it. There are some things that are said behind closed doors that you never want to hear. But to come out on a video conference call and straight up say it to everybody so everyone can hear, everyone can see what you are saying, that is, I, it's reprehensible. I don't know why that you'd want someone to represent your school that would just knock a team like that. It would be literally right now if I went on, if I went on Davenport Athletic Network where I was talking to, you know, Paul Loudon, and we had a conversation. Man, we should get rid of all these Davenport Athletic teams because they stink. You know, oh my gosh, our women's soccer team won only a few two games at home this year. Let's can them because they're bad. It'd be like if we did that, but we don't. First, of, I mean, first of all, we actually have a women's soccer team that's coming up. They actually have a pretty good team. Paige Eli is doing a great job there. Sorry, Davenport stuff. But it's it's kind of what it is. I represent Davenport. Paul is the AD. We would never do that. We wouldn't. Yes, there are conversations about, man, the team's struggling. You know, hopefully get better. But you don't just straight up come out and say, man, this team was off. We're gonna beat 20 to nothing because we don't have good players. Dude. Get it through your head. I really hope that the you know you folks at University of Lethbridge do something to reprimand him. Cause that is garbage. I don't I don't understand it. I wish I wish I and it's funny. When I was talking to Cody earlier, I said, Man, as if to think I had really nothing to talk about today on the Keel podcast, this comes up. Just light just wave that match around the oil bin and just see what happens, see if it goes up in flames. Come on, guys. I was having such a nice relaxing day too you know, everything was calm I'm in the middle of finishing up a piece for the hockey writers talking about the defensemen that have won the Hobie Baker award it was going to be great, nice and calm, relaxing day Kelly was going to watch Friends in the background like she does every day it was going to be calm, peaceful, have some food, maybe do takeout Tuesday and then this comes up and I'm like the gall, the gutless gall of these two men To simply talk about, oh, man, our teams were awful. Why? You can say that now because they're not a team anymore. No, you're just dumb. All right? The fact that you even come out and say it. There is something I learned from head coach Chris Green. Greener is the D2 coach here at Davenport University. I said, he told me my freshman year, you need a filter, and you need a five-second thought process before you say anything. Think for five seconds before you say something. And granted, I have some, I've let things slip out in the past, but for the most part, I have consciously thought, hey, before I say something, let's think, what could the ramifications be? What could the consequences come out of this? What are the consequences? Excuse me. That could come from saying something like this. And it's kept me out of trouble at some points. Now, granted, there are some times I just let loose, and for all of you that really follow the show, you really realize that this was probably one of my tame outbursts, because I have I've taken the mic off at points and taken my headset off and just kind of chucked it while I'm yelling about something. Gosh, I, I think there was one episode early on that I literally was yelling to a point where I just said, kill the show, cut the show, Alex. And I, I, I have to try to find it because it was back in our, I think in our first season, or in the summer, where I just said I dropped a couple of, you know explicit words and I said cut the cut the show, Alex, and he ended it and I and that was it. Now, granted, do I regret it? Well, no, because a I forgot what I was yelling about. B, it's what I felt like. It's what I meant. But that said, I made sure I kept it in terms that it would be. At least, I don't know, i to say respectable or respectful would be kind of a bit of a stretch because I was yelling and screaming about something. But keeping it in, you know, in check to the point where it's understanding of where I'm coming from without sounding like a crazed buffoon, which I say is a bit of a stretch as well. But nonetheless, so let's move on here before I get any more and stuff. Let's talk. Let's talk some more news here, some stuff. And yes, that was my phone that just came vibrating beneath me. Have a couple of signings to talk about. We talked about Alex Barabanov. Alex Barabanov. Had to make sure I got that one right because I said I said Barabanov the first time on the show when it was initially announced, and then that was followed up with I hear, me hearing David Amber saying Alex Barabanov on Hockey Central. And I realized, like, oh, maybe I should say it that way. And then Elliot Friedman on that same episode of Hockey Central said, it's Alex Barabanov. So that is the name Barabanov. That's how you pronounce it. He was an issue. So he was signed just a short while ago. A couple other ones to talk about from this past week. How about we go over to where that big old arch is out near the plains, the gateway to the West, St. Louis? They had a little bit of. Interesting stuff going on. They signed three players, re signed three of them. They signed Sammy Blaze, 23 year old winger, to a two year contract one way for $1.5 million per year. That's a pretty good deal for Blaze, who was a real key part of the team's Stanley Cup run. He wasn't a big point getter. He only had three points in the 15 games in the playoffs that he played in, only four points. In his 32 games in that cup season, and only had 13 points before the pause, playing 40 games for the Blues was out a little bit with an injury, though, if you don't remember. But that said, he was a very important grinder, a very good bottom six player. So getting him at 1.5 million dollars if he can continue to evolve and impress. Because don't forget, this is only his second full season. I mean I mean, I guess you can say his first full season. The last couple of years, he's been splitting time with the Blues and the former San Antonio Rampage. So, I mean, it's good to see him get his, you know, get a little bit of money, get a little, little bit of a raise. I think he's just, because he just finished up his ELC, his entry-level contract. Another signing coming out of St. Louis is Mackenzie McEachern, the Brother Rice graduate out of Bloomfield Hills. Met him once. Doesn't remember who I am because it was at the Brother Rice Prom and and how I got in the Brother Rice Prom? Don't ask and I won't tell. And, and nonetheless, the deal that he signs a two year deal worth one point eight million dollars over the two years, which is nine hundred k aav, no signing bonus, no performance bonuses, clean cut deal for the former Michigan State Spartan. And everyone's like, "Oh, do you know all this stuff about McKeckram? You don't know much about Sammy Blaze." Listen, when there's a kid that was born in your state, played college hockey in your state. You met him. You kind of followed. him. Trust me. He was in Chicago. When Chicago would come up to play Grand Rapids, he was the one guy I yelled at. By the way, going back to the contract for Sammy Blaze, no performance or signing bonuses with him either. All of this information, of course, I'm finding on catfriendly.com. That's the number one place to find all the good stuff all of your info you want on contracts and everything. Also has that's where you get like, you know, draft picks or players that have been drafted by teams and teams that haven't signed their draft picks yet. That's when we were talking with Thomas last week about goaltending prospects that they drafted. I used our good cap friendly tool and probably the big one signing the Blues made this past week. Marco Scandella. He signed it and this contract was as of April the 16th, so last Thursday, signed a four-year contract. Ending the total value is $13.1 million, which is an AAV of 3.275 mil per year. No performance or signing bonuses for him. However, he does have one of those fluctuating base salaries. He'll make 2.7 next year, 3.55 the year after that, 3.85 in his third year, $3 million flat in year four of the deal, all with a modified no-trade clause where Scandella can submit a seven-team no-trade list, just seven, number seven, team no-trade list, not 17, which is, I, I find it very funny. We'll get into more about the contract situation, what this means for the Blues coming up here in a second, but I find it hilarious how that the deal's that was my on my laptop by the way cuz I have three app updates available the idea that they only have like very small number of no trade lists you know you know right now scandals probably like don't send me to detroit don't send me to I'm trying to think of all the bad teams right now don't send me to california you know so on and so forth i'm like why wouldn't you you know if you really want to control your own fate I guess, you know, because why would you want to go for more? Like, do like a 15-team trade trade list. You know, I don't want to play for this half of the league. Because think about it. If you're a player that is supposedly on the trading block, why wouldn't you want to come out and say, I only want to play for a team, I want to get traded to a team that's in a playoff spot? Because I find that very, very interesting. Because... Say Sammy Blaze is, you know, not playing well. The Blues fall off, hypothetically. And, you know, like, hey, Sammy, we want to trade you. Yeah. Give us our seven-team no-trade list. That means you're only going to probably have him submit the seven bottom teams in the league. All right? Which is kind of sad, given the fact that, you know, if it was a higher one, you could say, I can only play for, you know, you know, here's 15 teams. I don't want to play for all the 15 teams out of the playoff spot. You can only send me to a team that's gonna be playing into April and May. That's what I would want. I like that kind of control. But then again, that's what negotiations are for. And he probably couldn't get the deal, so they probably only said seven. I don't. Why not a round number like five or ten? Seven? Just a number eight in the middle, making things hard on everybody. Are you St. Louis? Man, all that work. But, anyways, regardless. Moving on to another couple of signings, just outside of St. Louis, but kind of in the same area, though. Of the okay, not in the same area at all. Columbus Blue Jackets make a jump for Mikhail Grigorenko, and Mikhail Grigorenko, who a player that had been in the league before, went over to the KHL and kind of kind of had some good success over there. Over his last three seasons with CSK Moscow, one of the powerhouses there in the KHL, he was able to put up a grand total of 46 goals in the three seasons, 10 goals in 2017, 2018, 17 in 2018, 19, 47, 19, nah, 19 in 2019, 2020. His, max, his best season was actually last season where he put up 52 points in 55 games, including 21 points in the team's 20 playoff games. Played for Colorado for a couple of years back in 15, 16, 16, 17. Played with Buffalo before that. Was a draft pick of the Quebec Ramparts. Was a draft pick of the Buffalo Sabres. Played for the Quebec Ramparts in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Excuse me. Spent some time with Rochester in the American Hockey League. Pretty good, talented player. That was back when, of course, when Patrick Waugh was head coach of the Ramparts. And then met with Waugh later on when he played for the Avalanche for his two seasons. Went back home to Russia and had a good success. And decided he wanted to come on back. And sound like the Blue Jackets were going to get him at a fair deal. However, since Grigorenko had played in the league before, they were not able to file the contract. They have to wait, actually, until July 1st. So the contract was actually voided by the league, and everyone's kind of confused. Like, oh, man, he must have done something. No, it's just because of the fact that in order for him to come back in the league has to be, like, a legitimate free agent. Some of you remember how Ilya Kolchuk came back in. He had to wait until the middle of summer. So don't panic, Blue Jackets fans. You'll get him, Grigorenko is a very talented hockey player as well, and he wants to probably try to bring back his talents to this side and try to have some success. Didn't put up too many points in his time here in North America. In his two seasons with the Avalanche, he only put up 16 goals in 149 games, putting up 50 points to boot in total. And Those were some Avalanche teams that weren't the best either, though, if you remember Looking back on them, that was after Patrick Waugh had, you know, that great first season in 2014 where he's like, hey, we're going to be great. It's going to be awesome. He's knocking down stanchions, and they're in the playoffs. They're one of the best teams, and they lost to Minnesota again, which is funny because, remember, Patrick Waugh's career ended when Andrew Burnett, for the Minnesota Wild, scored on him in game seven in overtime. Nino Niederreiter did that, and they were both in Colorado, too, it I knew when that series started, I'm like, this is just too perfect. Minnesota's going to upset them again. And I had a couple of friends who were Colorado fans like, that's not going to happen. Colorado's going to win it. They're going to, you know, they may not win the cup, but they're going to be there, you know, second or third round. And I'm like, history repeats itself, man. And of course, it was this week, too, that back in 2012, the Washington Capitals upset the Boston Bruins in the first round of the playoffs. And how do I remember this? That's because my Facebook memories came up, and I had posted something. I'm going to paraphrase it, because I don't have it up pulled up yet, and I just thought about mentioning it. I had talked about how, because helped he was making his first playoff appearance. I don't think he played many games going into the 2012 playoffs for the Capitals. He played most of the year with Hershey, and it was a good goaltender coming out of the Western League, but nobody was quite sure if he was going to be able to translate that into the NHL came played for the Saskatoon Blades as his father did before him. And I remember going in I was it was kind of curious. I said, "Let's look at the comparisons here because I've always I've loved the story of Kenny Dryden. Not just because he's number 29, not just because he's a tall goaltender, but he's oh, he's very smart and his career was so peculiar because I just remember how he just missed a couple of years and came back and was the best goaltender for pretty much his entire career, and then decided to leave hockey. It's just it's so funny. I have his book, The Game, and I am going to get back into that as this kind of this quarantine continues on here because The Game is such a great book. I, I read a few chapters when I was playing, and then it kind of got sad and depressing for me because I was still trying to play. and It talked about the book starts out about how Ken Dryden was, you know, kind of burnt out and didn't want to play anymore. So I'm like, this is not a book I should be reading at this time in my life. Now that I'm not playing anymore, I'm going to get back into it. But back to the little tidbit here. Braden Holpe was going into his first playoff series. And if you remember the 1971 season, Kenny Dryden came in late for the Canadians heading into their playoffs. They each played the Boston Bruins in the first round. And Boston that year was the big, bad Bruins. Phil Esposito had scored 76 goals. They were unbeatable. 2012, the Bruins, just as the Bruins in 1970 to 71 were, they were the defending Stanley Cup champions. They were heavily favored going into the first round. Pretty much the same team. Tim Thomas was the goaltender. Jerry Chevers was the goaltender back in the 70s, early 70s, that is. And it's pretty much, you know, okay, this is kind of very similar here. Rookie goaltender who hasn't played many games is going into the first round of the playoffs against the defending champion Boston Bruins. Hey, both goaltenders played for a team that's colors were red, white, and blue. All right, interesting. You know, both had played well in the minors leading into that. Okay. Here was the kicker that they were going to win. I subtracted the two numbers. Braden Holtby's 70, Ken Dryden's 29. 70 minus 29 equals 41. It had been 41 years between the 1971 Canadians upset and the 2012 series between the Capitals and the Bruins. And I posted that on Facebook and I said, here is why they're going to win. And everyone's like, there's no way Washington is going to beat the big, bad Bruins. Because at that point, they were still the second coming of the big, bad Bruins. Physical, talented, great hockey team. They didn't have any record setters that year, like Phil Esposito, but they were still a team that was picked to have a good run at the Stanley Cup. And then all of a sudden, because that year I believe it was, it was supposed to be Boston and New York. That was the big talk. And then this guy by the name of Brayden comes in, shuts the door. They go to seven. Joel Ward scores in overtime. Washington goes crazy. And I just remember myself. I sat there and was like, I love being right. And I just say, history likes to repeat itself. This is history repeating itself in a nutshell. And it's just so funny to look back on that because that was back when I was in high school when I was just the wily, skinny, scrawny goaltender that thought he had the world in the palm of his hand. And then he went to college and realized that he had none of it. But speaking of Montreal and goaltenders, how about we talk about their signing this past week? Vasily Demchenko out of Russia. Demchenko, I want to say young net miner, he's 26 years old, is from. I'm not going to say the city. 94 birth year, six foot one netminder, played for Metallurg and Tractor in the KHL last season. Played in 35 games, had about a 2.75 goals against average. So not extraordinarily great numbers. Had a 9.07 save percentage between the two teams. Once again, not extraordinary numbers. However, though. If you look at it from this perspective, it's probably his biggest off year to date for Demchenko, as Demchenko had a goals against average that never eclipsed 2.5. It had not done that since the 14-15 season, when he was in the middle of his first real season playing for Tractor, his hometown team, where he had a 2.51 goals against average. He never got anywhere higher than that. He had a 2.45 in 17 18, but had a great year last year in 18 19 with Tractor. In 46 games, he had a 2.20 goals against average and a 9.32 save percentage. So he signs on with the Canadians on elite prospects. It has him listed playing for Laval. That's just because, obviously, you can't just throw him on the Montreal roster because, as of right now, you only have Carey Price as you know your number one goaltender. You're probably not going to play. So they. Just put him on there, saying, "Hey, here's where he's probably going to play." He's only making seven hundred ninety-two thousand five hundred dollars, so a little above minimum, and you know it's very interesting to see where he's going to go and or what what role he's going to be put in. I think that the idea is that he's a younger goaltender. You can probably develop him into a solid backup. You're almost hoping that you have like a Mikko Koskinen kind of deal that Edmonton was able to get with number nineteen as their goaltender. I don't. Does it say on here what Demchenko's number is? I'm looking at his, doesn't quite have it on here. I'm looking at his sweater with a tractor and it doesn't have it on there either. So, unfortunately, I can't tell you what number he's going to wear if he wears a weird one. But, regardless, kind of a cool little signing here by the Canadians. But, as we kind of sit here on cap friendly, let's go back here to the St. Louis Blues. Should have stuck with them when I was talking about this, but... You know, we talked about signing Scandella to not a huge contract, but a good, decent one. And, you know, you're you know, keeping the good depth players like McEachern, who's going to have to continue to play a big role, who is in, in the middle of his last year of his current contract, which has seven hundred fifty grand. Sammy Blaze, who has one more, or his in his last year, of his $850,000 contract. Let's look at what the Blues are going to have to do next year. They don't have to worry about... You know, I mean, they have Jacob De La Rose, who is going to be an RFA, who has arbitration rights. They don't have a whole lot to sign next year, which is great, in the fact that they don't have to worry about you know bringing too many players back. Vince Dunn is an RFA this coming season, this coming summer, but that's really it. You have each goaltender signed. Jake Allen and Jordan Bennington signed through 2021. You have Colton Pareko, and you do have Justin Falk, who signed that stupid contract until until Kingdom Come. But you have pretty much your same roster, and a roster that was that people were picking to make it back to the Cup final, a team that was dominating the central. I would say dominating the central division, but was probably going to handle the central division for the most part. And that's obviously a big thing for obviously for any team in the Cap era nowadays. But one name is listed as a UFA for next year. And everyone's staying very hush-hush about it. How about the captain, Alex Petrangelo? The now 30-year-old defenseman, who's making $6.5 million this year, is going to be UFA. And let me tell you, folks, this is very Interesting. Because I I wonder what the league is going to do next year. And the reason why the reason why I say this could be funny, it could be bad, is because the NHL is not quite sure what they're going to do with their salary cap next season. Now, if a lot of you remember early in March before this whole thing, you know, before the fit hit the Shan, there was talks that the salary cap was going to jump to maybe 85 to as much as 88.2 million dollars. Now that may not be because obviously so if the NHL does not come back there could be, a, there's a lot of money lost because playoff revenue is a huge money grab for not just the teams themselves, but the league as a whole. So, and there was a report that was briefly talked about on Hockey Central on Friday when the, when the crew was talking to, I believe they were talking to Brad True That may have been on Thursday. I don't know if it was shot down yet, but there was whispers. And I say whispers to make sure everyone does not just lose their darn minds when I say this. There's talks that possibly the league may have to go back and cut, roll back the salary cap to almost half. And you remember the big rollback that happened at the end of the lockout, or the year-long work stoppage in 0405. Now I think it went down to, I think, close to $60 million. It was ridiculous. Now the league is talking because they're losing so much money because here's the difference between the 0405 work stoppage and what we're going through right now with this pandemic. At least the teams were able to get in 2004 playoff revenue because they were able to complete the playoffs. Yes, there was the work stoppage, which kind of put a lot of kinks in everything, but the league had enough money than a lot of the teams had money and owners that were able to kind of navigate through these tough times. Now, yes, this is the worst-case scenario that there's this $40 million salary cap. But the idea is that everyone is looking at a cap that's going to roll back. Why does this affect the St. Louis Blues? Because the St. Louis Blues have a lot of players that are over $5 million. They have Tyler Bozak for one more year, 6.5 for Braden Shen, 6.5 for Justin Falk, Colton Pareco, 5.5. Jaden Schwartz, five point three five million for another year. Alex Steen, same thing, five seven five for another year. Ryan O'Reilly, 7.5 through twenty twenty three, and then you have well, that's pretty much it for that. But then you have goaltender Jordan Bennington, that's probably going to be making over five million, at least that's what his worth would be. You have Tarasenko, who's still on LTIR, but he's making seven and a half and you're telling me that Alex Petrangelo is going to get paid anything less than what he's making right now at 6.5. Guys, I don't know what's going to happen, but there's a great possibility, unless there's something that happens in the next few months, that Petrangelo may be allowed to take a test at the free agent waters. He may step in the pool and just, let's just check it out here. He may sign with St. Louis, who knows, but he may be allowed to look. And obviously he's got to look at the teams that are offering him the contracts and so so on and so forth. And I'm just kind of looking at the contracts right now for St. Louis. They only have in total seven players that are making under a million dollars on their NHL club right now. That includes De La Rose, Robert Thomas, blaze, who does get his raise next season, Jordan Kite or Kyru McEachern, Troy Brower, who will be, Gone after next season, Vince Dunn, who's making seven hundred twenty-two grand five hundred dollars. There, he's an RFA next year, so he'll have to he legally has to get a raise. Not sure if it'll quite hit a million, but nonetheless, the Blues may be in a little bit of trouble. And as of right now, they only have twenty thousand dollars in cap space left for next season. They only have four point five four seven five oh one. So that's Over $4.5 million in cap space projected for next season. And, boy, this could be tough. It could be really interesting to see what they're going to try to do to try to get through this. I don't know what they could do. But there's going to have to be some maneuvering for the Blues to try to fit a player like Alex Petrangelo. And, of course, I don't know what the NHL would do if there's a rollback. In the contract situation, this could be a real bit, a little bit of bad, bad juju going around in the NHL if they can't find a way to. I get it; it may not be eighty-one and a half. You may have to drop it to seventy-five. But you know, teams like this have a lot of big contracts that may be in trouble, and you have players that are signed. You know, Edmonton, who is starting to get a little, the value, starting to get a little bit better for those teams with Connor McDavid making twelve and a half, and Leon Draisaitl making eight and a half. But those teams are going to be pushing towards the cap, and I'm just going to go to the main page here on cap friendly here quickly. You know, we're looking at teams that are, you know, well over cap space. The Leafs were at a, fin- at a cap hit of, you know, over 95 million. Now, granted, five million of that will come off with Nathan Horton coming off the books. Dallas is over 82 million dollars. St. Louis, as of right now. Is paying over $83 million. However, they have almost $1.8 million in LTIR being used. Vancouver, 80, almost $84 million. Philadelphia, almost $83 million. Same thing for the Blackhawks, the Capitals. You have to go all the way down to the Florida Panthers to find a team that's actually paying. Right at the cap brim because you have Buffalo, Carolina, and I'm trying to see if there's any more that are hitting the top, but that's about it. So you have Buffalo, Carolina, I'm just going to number them off here. Arizona, well, Arizona because they have the Chris Pronger and Marion Hosa and Pavel Datsu contracts, and they're all TIR. So we'll just go through the ones with the high cap hit right now that it's above the salary cap ceiling. Arizona, Toronto, Dallas, St. Louis, Vancouver. Philadelphia, Chicago, Washington, Vegas, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Carolina, and that's it. So you have 12 teams of the 31-team NHL that are having this massive undertow if there is a rollback in the salary cap. And think of if you're – I mean, we'll kind of just move on here quickly. Think of your, the Seattle franchise – that you're now coming into a league that initially you only delayed till 21-22 because of the fact that you were afraid there was going to be a lockout. Now you're coming to the point, because don't forget, the CBA ends in 2022, so it should be the end of the alleged first season of the Seattle franchise. Now you're coming into a league that is going to have to try to recover from this pandemic that has clearly resulted in a loss of money. Now, I don't know what they're going to do this league. I don't know what they're going to do if they do come back, play in front of empty arenas, because you do have a TV deal that can suffice, that will be able to kind of keep everything at bay. But you are looking at problems that will affect teams in the long run, because teams like Arizona, and Arizona is getting better, granted, and Florida is getting a little bit better. If they can stay good, if they can actually get into the playoffs, they'll be able to make more revenue. Fans will start to come out a little bit more. But think of all the low-budget teams that are going to struggle to get by through this time. There's a reason why the Coyotes from... Gosh, I can't remember. I when did Jeremy Roenick get traded to Philadelphia? Between that and 2009, there's a reason why the Coyotes were just awful. Because they couldn't afford anybody. They couldn't afford players. I always, te- I always tell everyone, yes, they have the salary cap room to get players, but they don't have the money. If these teams can't supply, that's why the idea of the revenue sharing came about in the 405 season, but, or old 405 lockout, excuse me. But if these teams can't get through this pandemic, we're going to go backwards in, in progress. We're going to go to Congress. I'm kidding. Not going to get into pros and cons thing again. I'm not going to do that. But what I'm saying is, this will obviously, this is affecting the world on a completely different scale that none of us will probably ever, hopefully, never see, as I knock on wood, hopefully, never see again. But looking at it from a hockey perspective, while that seems very childish and very simple minded, this will affect more teams financially and it'll affect their plagues when we will pay players. You'll see Lord and teams fall out. Will Carolina be able to still compete? I don't know because they're going to have to have to roll back and they're going to have to, they're going to lose money. They're going to have to make cuts and they're going to have to get rid of players. So they get rid of contracts. It's going to be a rough time for a lot of these hockey clubs guys. So you can only hope that, you know, you're almost hoping that the league does come back just so they do have a playoff, so there is the playoff revenue, so there is the fact that the rollback won't be as nearly as drastic. Because at this point, it's almost inevitable. If the league does stay 81.5, everyone should give themselves a pat on the back and call it a day, because that would be a miracle within itself. The idea right now, or at least the hopes and plans by the NHL, is to try to make sure they limit the loss as much as possible, which is almost pushing for a playoff, pushing for an NHL. And I know what I've said in the past. I've said, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. Why even bother? Well, things are starting to look up, kind of. You're almost hoping now that you're saying, hey, let's let's try to get it to the right time. If you can play by the end of June, perfect. Make it quick, make the series short. There you go. You have a champion, playoff revenue TV deal. Bam, good, let's move on. Then you're able to at least, you know, kind of hold the ship for the time being, hold the fort for the time being. You can maybe get it down to 75 and kind of relax. And I think you're going to have to find a way to, I think the players are going to have to realize it too. That's where it's going to really come down to is can the players, I don't say renegotiate the contracts, because don't forget, the players get paid. When I always say the AAV, that's not exactly what they get paid. They can get paid different amounts of money across their contracts, and most of the big, long contracts do that. That said, it's going to be tough for some teams to, to bounce back. Some teams won't be able to take money off. I don't think... I don't know if Connor McDavid can take it down to $10 million. I don't know if Matthews or Marlow want to go back in time. Same thing with Tavares. They don't want to go back to you know, $9 million. I don't know if they'll want to do that. But I think you're going to have to do some form of convincing in order to do that. And it's going to be rough, but it'll be necessary. For the sake of the league to not go into a financial, I guess, a financial hell, like it was back in 05-06, You're going to have to find a way to fight through that. And it's just at this point right now, it's just going to kind of be, you know, hold, everyone kind of hold on and just see what happens. And that's all we can do is just sit here and wait. And yes, it sucks to say that, but that's unfortunately the truth we're facing right now. But that's pretty much all I have to talk about here today. You guys have anything else to talk about? You know, anything going on? You guys watching any shows? I saw Tiger King had itself a, a honest trailer. If you don't know what that is, go on YouTube, search Screen Junkies or search Honest trailers, and they pretty much have these trailers that just tear into movies and they don't have like all the movies, but it's a lot of the popular ones and they kinda do, you know, here are this movie's release, let's do this one. And I remember they did a cool little series with the first Batman movie and the fur or the Michael Keaton Batman movie, by the way, and the first Superman movie with Christopher Reeve. But they've also done the original Batman with with Adam West. So they've they've been able they've made it yeah. it's it's very Correct. entertaining. So I'm really I always say people should go watch those because they're they're just good stuff to go check out here. Another Twitter account you guys should look up, one that you should definitely follow. It is hockey images that precede unfortunate events. And it's literally just images right before something bad happens. And one of them they posted earlier today. Was Mark Messier when he signed with the Vancouver Canucks, and I always find that one funny just because of how bad his time was and how quickly Vancouver Canucks realized, hey, this is a bad idea; they had to get rid of him as fast as possible. So, but that is it for this one, folks. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Kill Podcast. Once again, tweet us at the Kill Podcast. Use the hashtag TKP hashtag The Kiel Podcast. Tell us what you think of today's episode. Tell us what you think about the St. Louis Blues. Will they be able to sign Alex Petrangelo? Who will they have to move to sign Alex Petrangelo? Will they? Won't they? Who knows they? What do you think about University of Lethbridge? I hear it's a nice town. Got a good WHL team out there. Tell us what else do you think about the school though. Curious. Anyone know the guy? Anyways. That is it for this one, folks. Thank you for listening once again, and we will see you next week on the Kill Podcast. Goodbye! Bye. Kelly, the Disney family sing-along is on Disney Plus. Okay. Watch it. I'm watching it right now, and we're going to watch it again. You will love it. I have to watch it with you. Donny Osmond, Don Donny Osmond, er- Donny Osmond has grandkids. Well, yeah. I- Holy cow! He's also 16, he is old. Gosh. It's okay, you. Okay. After you're done, we're gonna watch. I'm gonna watch it again. We're not. I don't want to watch. I just oh, want to. it's s- So good, it's you love it. I just want to sit. I just want to sit here in isolation and. I love you.